Hey guys, welcome to the show tonight. It's Monday, another Monday. It's great to be here though. My name is Charlotte. I'm your host for the next hour or so. And I think I've got a good show put together tonight. I am the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team here in lovely Sacramento, California. Uh, www.californiahaunts.org. We're 35 strong up and down the state of California, Oregon, Washington, and parts of Hawaii, which makes it kind of cool. Anyway, we have a great show for you tonight. Michael Anthony is with us, and I heard Michael Anthony's story a, a few weeks back, and it intrigued me because having taken care of my mother like I did and being in the room with my mother when she passed, I kind of had thoughts about you know, what Mr. Anthony had, had, has written his book about in that maybe my mother was more aware of what was going on after she passed than what I thought she was, you know, what I thought she was aware of. So Mr. Anthony has a unique story to tell about that. So uh, without further ado, let me get him on. And I'm going to have to adjust this camera, like I told you, because it's a wide angle. So I'm still trying to figure out my angles. Hello. Hi, Charlotte. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I heard you speak on another show on this, on this and it really caught my attention because, like I said, I had been taking care of my mother when, when, when she passed away. And I always wondered that because she and I had an agreement that if she passed, she didn't want to go dirty, <laughs> you know, the corner. So I ended up giving her a bath, which there's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that, you know, because I knew that's what she wanted. But while I was bathing her, I just was, you know, I, I had, I had the thought, I thought, man, what, what if she's still aware of me doing this and knowing what, you know, what I'm doing to take care of her. Sure. Yeah. So tell me about you. You, you, you have many talents. <laughs> well, I, I have many things I try. I'll say that. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I'm an actor occasionally. Uh, my day job is uh, is bartending for Hamilton on Broadway, and um, and then in the spare time, I I investigate evidence uh, for the uh, survival of consciousness beyond death, or at the very least, uh, the independence of consciousness from the. Uh, from the human mind and the confines of the skull. Wow. That, that, that's a little bit of everything. It's kind of like what I mean when, when I'm working, I'm, I'm a working journalist and photojournalist, but then I'm doing the paranormal thing. I do this, I do that. I do, you know, so Life's crazy, right? Life's yeah. Crazy. Yeah, you can't stay in one lane. There's too much going on. You've got to dip your toes into a lot of different waters. Absolutely. So tell me about your dad, what you know, the experience because you wrote the book about it. So tell you know, tell me in my audience about that because that's what really drew me into wanting to have you on the show. 
Yeah, my, my dad passed very suddenly in 2011. Uh, he was only 60 years old, and he was young as far as 60-year-olds go. You know, we thought that if anyone in my family had a shot at making it to the to the the, the big hundred-year mark, it was going to be him. So when he passed, it was completely just out of the blue uh, mm -hmm. as far as we were concerned, and we were devastated. You know, my dad and I were incredibly close. My whole family was very close, and my dad was just the center of our family. You know, he was like, you know, my family like so many were nuts in our own beautiful way my dad was like the calm center in the eye of our personal hurricane he was the one that you called no matter what if there was anything wrong uh you called him first if there was anything great that you wanted to share you called him first you know he was just the guy uh so losing him was I, an utter devastation. I mean, it it completely shattered my life. You know, I felt like in one moment I'm living in one movie, you know, I'm living in New York, I'm bartending mm -hmm. on Broadway, kind of a, just living in a happy go lucky, like romantic comedy. And then right. on the next second I get this phone call, my dad's gone. And now I'm living in like this horror film. Um, and that's where I was. And I'll also say that, but you know, before I became an actor, I had planned on being a science teacher, a high school science teacher. So uh, that's what I went to college for initially. And I've always loved science. And you know, mm -hmm. the mainstream uh, scientific paradigm tells us that consciousness is brain created, right? Mm -hmm. And that uh, what we think of as self, as us, what I thought of as my dad is an illusion created by the brain. And, and, and really all that is, is, is chemical reactions. Uh, happening. And when the brain is deprived of oxygen, you know, the heart stops beating uh, and those chemical reactions stop, the, the thing that I thought of as my dad, that collection of molecules that looked like my dad and sounded like my dad, mm -hmm. they, that was gone forever, according to mainstream science. Right. And I've never totally believed that, you know, as much as I've always loved science, I've also always felt like there's got to be more to this story. There's got to be something more to this. Uh, and, and, I, and I had the, the sense always that there are places that our scientific, scientific instruments maybe are never going to be able to reach, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but that vague sense that we're more than our bodies, when my dad died, that was not enough. I was, I was, I needed like direct evidence that we are more than our bodies and that my dad was still around in some way. Um, and uh, th that's where I was when out of the blue, suddenly a phone call came into my mother's house uh, from my second cousin's husband, uh, a guy who had never called my mom's house before, a guy that I couldn't even picture when my mom first told me the story. She's like, you remember Chris, your cousin, Chris? And I was like, Chris? No, I don't think so. I mean, the, the, we, we, we had maybe been at a wedding together when I was five or something. This is not a person that we ever talked to. The day after burying my father, he calls my mom and tells her that he says, Liz, uh, my mom's name, Liz, do you know what I do? And my mom says, uh, no. Now, as far as she knew, he was a hospital administrator. He had like a big time straight laced job as a hospital uh, administrator. And he said, well, I have a hobby. I, uh, on the weekends, I'm a ghost hunter. And my mom was at this point in the conversation completely baffled by what this phone call could possibly have to do. She's in the middle of grieving the loss of my dad. And this bizarro phone call comes in from this guy that she never has never called the house. And she says, oh, okay. And he says, and, and on my team, uh, we have a medium. 
which is a person who claims the ability to uh, communicate with deceased people. And, and my mom said, yes, okay, I'm familiar with the idea of mediumship. And then he tells her that this medium uh, said that they, were, they had been on an investigation when this medium said to, to Chris, my cousin, uh, I have this entity here, his name is Robert. Uh, his family is somehow connected to a fish restaurant. I don't know that he's connected to the people who live in this house, though. And then she said, and I, Chris, I think it's actually connected to your family somehow. And my dad was so distant from Chris that he, it took him a moment to figure out who this could possibly be. Even when she said Robert, when, when she said uh, the family connected to a fish restaurant, Chris was like, oh, wait a minute. He remembered my sister Jen owns a fish restaurant. So that's how the messages first came through. And uh, the medium's name is Christina. And according to this woman, Christina, the, uh, my dad was just very desperate to get a message to his family that he had survived the death of his body uh, and that he was okay, that he knew how, uh, in what terrible shape we were in mm -hmm. and he was not gonna stop. You know, he's like tapping her on the shoulder saying, you gotta, you gotta get this message, please call my family. And so, so Chris uh, made that very awkward phone call. Uh, and that's how I was introduced um, for the first time in my own life, really, to mediumship. That's, it. that's really interesting. I think that's the case for a lot of people because they don't realize that, that mediums have that capability. You know, to, to communicate. Yeah, I mean, I had been familiar with mediumship through um, crossing over with John Edward, which was a show right. on television when I was in high school. But <laughs> it was intriguing. But the scientific part of me was thinking, well, surely if there is anything concrete to what this guy is doing, science would have learned about it by now. And I would have been taught, taught it in my science class. You know, right mm -hmm. after learning about, uh, you know, the skeletal system and how many bones mm -hmm. the human body has in it, uh, they would have said, oh, and by the way, uh, there is some evidence that some human brains are able to pick up information from people who are no longer in a body. Uh, but since no science teacher ever told me that, I just assumed that there couldn't be a whole lot uh, that was concrete behind what John Edward um, and other, other folks like him were doing. Uh, un until, you know, it, something happened in my own life to prove to me that uh, there most definitely is something to what some of these people are doing. So did you say that was the first time that, that, that you found out about it, that, that she mentioned it? Were there other times that, that your father wanted to contact you guys? Well, yeah, I mean, he, it started right away with what felt like signs, what a person would call signs, you know, like seeing a butterfly at a very strange time in a very strange place. I was like in New York in a subway system and saw a monarch butterfly. Um, you know, there were, there were things of that nature, hearing a song on the, on the radio that was extraordinarily, um, the circumstances around that were really blew my mind. I tell that whole story in the book. Um, mm -hmm. So there were a lot of things like that that were happening, but this was the first um kind of more direct, uh, what felt like a more direct attempt at communication from him. You know, I went through something similar, mm. just like you did. And what, like I said, I, I, she had requested beforehand that I, that I cleaned her up before they touched her. Yeah. And so I used this, this dial soap that has a certain smell. Mm -hmm. And after they, re after, after, after she left, I want to say left, you know, they removed her that evening. My friend and I were here at the house. And I was walking through the house, and I was catching that smell. 
Yeah. And I didn't say anything to my friend. And so I happened to walk past my friend and my, my, my girlfriend says, do you smell that? I said, you're smelling it too? Yeah. And it was that same smell. So she was still hanging around the house after this had happened. Yeah. Yeah. And there are so many stories like that, you know, uh, that to me, uh, the number of anecdotes of that nature lends some credence to, to some of this. You know, there are things that we cannot take out of the natural environment and put into a lab and under a mm -hmm. microscope. You know, like your experience smelling this soap, there's not going to be a way to replicate that or, mm -hmm. or study it uh, in, in a lab setting under a controlled circumstance, right? There's just no way to do that. But it doesn't mean that what you experienced did not happen. Right. And, you know, we use all the time in, in courts of law, uh, witness testimony to convict people of crimes and like put them in jail. You know, witness testimony, we, we consider to be good enough for that. And yet when it comes to these sorts of anecdotes, science does not accept them as, as evidential um, because they, there's no way to really, you know, there's an adage in science that nothing has happened until it's happened twice. And a lot of the things such as your experience are not things that happen twice uh, yeah. that you can that you can monitor in any way. But to me, uh, it obviously does not take away the validity of the experience to you. And I have been told so many of these extraordinary stories now. And to the people uh, that they happen to, no scientist is ever going to be able to say to them, that's just a coincidence. You know, you're not going to be able to convince a person who's had this experience. It's often personal experience that ends mm -hmm. up. Uh, opening up a person's mind, especially scientists. You know, you'll find that not a lot of neuroscientists believe in life after death uh, until they have a near-death experience and they end yeah. up on the other side. And then they come back and they think, oh my goodness gracious, this is real. Uh, but they can't convince their colleagues of it because there's no way, uh, typically, usually, no way to verify uh, that anything that they experienced was objectively real. Mm-hmm. So that's how it happened for you. Then you, you had the experience and then you decided to become a ghost hunter to, to further research it. Uh, not a ghost hunter, but I just, I started to look more into mediumship. And okay. uh, after this woman, uh, after this cousin called the house, I, I got the phone number for the medium that had delivered this message. I wanted to talk to her uh, mm -hmm. and get every detail and frankly find out if she was, uh, if I felt like she was on the level or not. And uh, right, you know, we talked for a long time and it was clear to me right away that this woman uh, was very kind. She seemed very kind, very smart. Um, and I left the conversation thinking that at least she believes what she's saying. She doesn't seem crazy to me. And she, it seems to me that she believes that my dad truly was trying to contact her. Uh, I told my sister about the conversation and I said, you know, this woman seems really um, like she's telling at least her truth. And the morning after my sister and I had that conversation, my sister Jen was driving to work and happened to hear on the radio a segment with someone calling herself a professional evidential medium. And people were calling into the radio station, you know, and okay. she was giving readings. And my sister thought, my gosh, that's an odd coincidence uh, that we just have this strange phone call come into the house. My brother mm -hmm. talks to this person calling herself a medium. And now I hear this professional medium on the radio here in Connecticut. Uh, so my sister had a uh, made a, an appointment with this woman to have a reading. And I tested her uh, by basically coming up with a code word, uh, which she delivered. 
And uh, she also gave all sorts of information that there was just no way I could understand, I, I could see that she could know uh, things that were not published anywhere, uh, short of her having a CIA agent, you know, somewhere on her on her payroll, following my family around with high tech mm -hmm. audio equipment. I could not see how she could possibly know some of the things she was saying blew us away, changed our lives. And then about a year after that, I called that woman back because I could not let that experience go. Mm -hmm. And I said, listen, I, I want to test you to see if you're really doing what you say you're doing. I would like to make a documentary where I sit you down in front of the camera, hit record, and then walk total strangers into the room. So I'll know there's no way that you could be cheating. You know, uh, Typically, I was the only person on the set who knew who was walking in that day, right? So these, this could be anyone on the planet. And I've now had her do this with over 20 people. And every single one of those people has had an experience with this woman uh, that science cannot explain. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, it, it's, you know, it's it. once this started to happen with me, I'm thinking, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not the person who, I'm a, I'm a bartender, you know, I'm mm -hmm. an actor. I, I'm not the person who should be trying to answer one of the biggest questions facing humanity. There, there should right. be smarter people than me looking at this. And I, I started to wonder if anyone had. And, and I was very surprised to find that so many scientists have over the years looked into this, going back over a hundred years when, when uh, uh, spiritualism uh, spir and, uh, and uh, spiritualists, uh, the, the, the spiritualist movement right. and uh, mediumship really was in its heyday back in the 1800s, early 1900s. Uh, scientists, some of the most renowned of that of the day started to look into this stuff and came away convinced it was real. Uh, and current modern studies are going on at the University of Virginia, University of Arizona, uh, among other places right now, current right in, at this moment, there are studies happening at uh, the Winbridge Research Center with a fantastic scientist named Dr. Julie Beischel. Uh, and she's doing quintuple blind experiments with mediums, which basically, wow. it's, it's a, I explain it in the book, it basically means they have ruled out basically that that these people could be cheating. You know, the, 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 the protocol eliminates any known way that a person could cheat. Uh, and even under those extremely controlled conditions, quintuple blind, the mediums that she works with um, are getting information in a way using some pathway that we have not yet understood. Uh, she calls it anomalous information reception. And to her, the data wow. is black and white. It's black and white, it's, it's unequivocal. The statistics show something real is happening that is fascinating i know i have one medium on, one evidential medium on my team who uh will go into a building blindfolded mm, interesting she'll yeah. do it that way you know I've, I've had her do it that way i also have one on my team that, that that's a remote reader you know uh -huh. she'll you know she, i don't give her any other information and she'll tell me exactly what's what the layout of the house is and what yeah. is crazy when you walk in and she says, well, yeah, the, the wallpaper you know, is yellow and then the kitchen's over on the left and there's a chair off to your right. And you go walking in there and you're like, whoa. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, how do you explain that? And, and, and studies like that have been done under controlled settings. 
-hmm. at the Stanford Research Institute, for instance, SRI. Uh, the United States government has spent millions of dollars. There's a program called the Stargate program uh, where the government spent millions looking into this stuff. And uh, it's this is all published now, by the way, by the CIA on the CIA website. So people are free to, you don't have to take my word for it. You can go to the CIA archives and read for yourself that the CIA concluded clearly uh, that um, ESP, psychic ability, whatever words you want to use, uh, does happen. Uh, and not only does it happen, the United States government has used it operationally. Yeah. Yeah, they've used it that. in actual operations. Uh, and they, 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 they put money into this for, for decades, for many, many years. Uh, and the United States government would not be doing that if they were not getting results. Clearly, they got results. And if you if you do look at the research by Hal Putoff uh, and Russell Targ at SRI, again, uh, in the SRI, I'm sorry, in the uh, CIA uh, archives, if you just mm -hmm. Google Stargate or Uri Geller, Russell Targ, uh, you can see for yourself the results are stunning, stunning for remote viewing being an, an actual uh, phenomenon that, that happens. See, you got ahead of me because that was going to be my next question to you when I was going to ask you about the, uh, the the government being involved in this stuff because they have been involved in the past and they, they have and, they, and the thing is they played it down because it's like anything else i'm just like with this ufo thing that just came out they don't want to start a, a hysteria thing with the public on it that they're actually looking into this stuff I suppose, yeah, it's confusing to know what the government is doing, uh, what they know and don't know. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. The, the whole UFO thing is, uh, you know, I'm good friends with Leslie Kane, who is one of the reporters who broke the um, Pentagon, the story about ATIP, and, the, and mm -hmm. the Pentagon acknowledged that those videos taken on the Nimitz uh, and, and the other ship uh, were actual genuine footage of something uh, behaving in a way, moving in a way that we, that science does not understand and that we heretofore thought was impossible. But it's clearly not impossible because we have it captured on the most high-tech videographic and, and radar equipment on the planet, you know, hanging below these F-18 fighters or whatever the, yeah. the jets yeah. are. Um, you know, it's captured on, on, on that, on radar, radar from the ship, radar from the actual thing. I mean, these are actual craft or whatever. I mean, they're there in, in reality. Multiple witnesses are seeing these things. Multiple radars are tracking these things. Uh, and 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 yet, uh, to show you how big the wall is, the the, the wall, the stigma attached to all of this, to try to get this through to the mainstream audience, which is what I—that's what I spend my time talking about now. Is mm -hmm. like, why why doesn't everyone know about this stuff? Um, you know, I'm asked in interviews a lot now. Do you believe in UFOs? And and I say, I mean, what do you mean? Do I believe in UFOs? <laughs> Belief is not a part of the question. They are there. They're on a thing. I don't believe in them. They're there. We mm -hmm. have them captured on all sorts of different uh, um, radar and, and and detecting equipment, photo, photographic, videographic. Not to mention the eyewitness testimony of of Top Gun pilots. You know this right. guy David Fravor, one of the you know he's like he trains other uh, people how to be. I mean this guy has seen everything, everything that flies. He has seen it. He flies the most high tech equipment that we have. And if he tells you that this thing uh, has done something he cannot explain, I mean, you can't just throw away his eyewitness testimony. This is a person who knows what he's talking about when it comes to aeronautics and the behavior of things that fly. Uh, and if a thing does not have wings and does not have propulsion that we can see uh, and yet does the stuff that it does, 
you know, that's something that we should be paying attention to. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I it, it boggles my mind that people on uh, in interviews are asking uh, Marco Rubio and 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 some some senators who are in congressmen who are involved in this uh, whatever the report that's going to be released uh, still mm -hmm. asking them if they believe. I mean, it's not about belief. It's not about belief. Uh, the evidence is crystal clear that there is something there that's going in and out of our sky, our water. I mean, it's 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 clear that it, it, it's those things happen. Well, you know, a few years ago when I had the show on over on Block Talk, I had interviewed a gentleman out of Placerville who uh, he described it a little, you know, in fact, I see that I thought it was far fetched. Some kind of cabal, cabal up, up above us with, with different alienations up there, you know, because they talk about the madness people and all, and all that. And he talked about how the, whole, how the government knew about it. You know, the presidents were all aware of it. They just didn't want to yeah. put the information out. Yeah, I mean, that stuff. It, it's it gets very hard to know what the truth is right i mean mm -hmm. you can there are all sorts of speculations and and given the uh internet you know it's very easy to get information out into the world that may or may not be accurate uh that other people believe is accurate so mm -hmm. um you know sort of separating the 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 signal from the noise can be difficult uh and it's a highly complicated convoluted thing because these mm -hmm. It appears to many people that these UFOs um, are not simply just solid objects. There seems to be some sort of a psychic component involved in all of this as well. Um, so it's incredibly complicated, and I can understand um, a government not wanting to get into it <laughs> because yeah. it's it's hard to put it into a nice, you know, uh, uh, you know, short sentence, uh, you know, uh, a soundbite. Uh, that you're going to be able to, you know, uh, blast out onto all of the news networks saying, okay, so here's the deal. Uh, there are these extraterrestrials coming here from uh, Zeta Reticuli. And because that, it's not that simple. It doesn't appear to be uh, that they are just visitors from some other planet in this, mm -hmm. in this universe. It could be there, you know, there seems to be a time component involved in these things sometimes. Uh, uh, you know, people have experiences where they feel like they're taken by these by things, mm -hmm. you know, out of their house at night, taken through their walls, um, as though their consciousness has been abducted in a sense, if mm -hmm. not their whole physical body. Sometimes people report, you know, we have many reports of women who uh, have some sort of an experience where they, they become pregnant in a way they cannot understand. Yeah. And it's documented by their doctor that they are indeed pregnant. Three months go by, suddenly they're not pregnant anymore. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the doctor says, oh, my, I'm sorry, you must have had a miscarriage. Uh, but then women will sometimes report a further experience of being taken by something to some place, call it a ship or whatever you'd like. And sometimes then interacting with um, an entity that they believe is their child. They're, yeah. they're not fully human child, you know. Uh, so if there are so many parts to this whole thing, you know, and, and to go back to life after death stuff, right? there is a connect, there seems to be for some people, a connection there as well. A lot of people having these experiences are re also reporting that they'll see a deceased loved one during these experiences for some reason. Now, this was not often reported because you know, a lot of reasons. There's already such a stigma, right? It's not right. easy for a person to go out and say, hey, I think I was abducted by aliens. 
you know, you're going to lose your job. People are going to say, that guy's insane. Don't hire that mm -hmm. guy. So for obvious reasons, people are afraid to talk about that. If they do find someone in their life they can talk to about that, it's then another greater step to say, oh, and by the way, my dead grandmother was there, you know, because that sounds the, the, then that sounds even crazier. Not only do you have, quote unquote, aliens, now your grandma is like in cahoots with the <laughs> aliens, taking you to this thing or like, what's going on? So it's a big, convoluted, uh, confusing situation. And I can, if I were in charge of the government, I would be like, guys, I don't know where to begin. I don't know. I don't know where to begin uh, trying to explain to people what's going on because we don't know fully no. what's going on. I don't think that we do. I do believe there are, you know, people within the government or some part of the government or, or in some special access program somewhere that might have more information than, um, I think that we know more than the grainy videos that we're being shown. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll say that, you know, like the, the, the recently released pyramid UFO, uh, you know, it's this night vision uh, thing taken from a Navy ship. Um, mm -hmm. I think we probably know more than that, but uh, I don't think we probably know the ultimate answer. So could there be multiple, you know, we've got lots of people saying they're part of a speak secret space program and there are, you know, 37 different species involved in an intergalactic right. federation. Like, could that be, anything could be possible. Uh, given what I've now seen personally in my own life with regard to life after death and right. some stuff I saw with my dad, I will now not say that anything is impossible. Well, I'm thinking, you know, when you were talking about people seeing grandma, I heard the other night somebody talking about parallel universes mm. and the, the possibility that a lot of these, these alien encounters are, are from a parallel universe. Whereas you and I are sitting here, Elvis is alive somewhere doing his thing. Yeah, you know? could be. Yeah, we, so. we just we just know too little about how the universe works. We, we just know too little. Uh, you know, scientists tend to speak with a lot of authority, but when it comes down to it, we really don't know the fundamentals of how our universe works. Uh, you know, we used to think that atoms were the smallest part of the universe. Then we mm -hmm. figured out there are protons and neutrons and electrons. And now mm -hmm. we think those are made up of quarks and gluons and so on. And beyond that, it's entirely theoretical. What We have good mathematical reason to believe a lot of this stuff, but that's all that we have in most mm -hmm. cases are mathematical formulations that give rise to the need for this stuff to be true, but we haven't observed it with instruments, right? The math tells us the universe must be made out of 99% quote unquote dark matter. That's what the math says, but no scientific equipment has ever found 99% of the universe. If that is true, that this it's called dark matter, by the way, dark, because sure. we've never seen it. We've never picked it up on any instrument, but the math says it must be there. Otherwise we just don't understand why is the universe expanding Excel at an accelerated rate. That doesn't make any sense. That goes against what we thought should be happening. So in order to fix that problem, we add things to the equation like dark matter, dark energy, you know, and so on. Uh, so, so no matter how much authority science has, and in some cases it does, right? Science, I don't mean to be bashing science. It's an amazing no. thing. We landed a probe on Mars. We've got vaccines that are going to help us get through this pandemic. I mean, mm -hmm. science is an amazing thing. But there are limits to what we know, uh, and there are places science and the scientific method cannot go. And quantum physics is one of those places that we can only go so far right now with the scientific method. We do know in the lab 
that the quantum world is nuts. You know, we know a lot of people know about the double slit experiment, that things are both, uh, there's this duality. Things exist, seem to exist simultaneously in a wave of possibility, but also as distinct points sometimes, simultaneously. And if there's an observer in the room, the thing tends to snap into place and become a distinct mm -hmm. point. If we're not observing it, uh, it stays everywhere, literally mm -hmm. everywhere, could be anywhere. Uh, and, and it doesn't make any logical sense. But that's what we find, uh, you know, a, a quantum physicist, Brian Greene, who's a great, you know, he says, if you, if your mind is not blown by what we are telling you, uh, mm -hmm. as far as quantum mechanics goes, then you don't understand what we're telling you. So, yeah. so multiple universes, as you mentioned, yeah, that's one possible answer to explain some of the crazy, uh, spooky action that we see in the quantum world. We, we just don't know yet. Well, you know, as a ghost hunter, after reading some of these uh, abduction books, like uh, the the, uh, the abductions in the Mojave, I forget what the title of that book is, when they talked about the visitors that came back, it made me wonder what we were actually ghost hunting, because yeah. he talked about how they were going, you know, how, how they were coming as shadows, they were able to, like, go through the walls, they could hear them whispering. Yeah, and it makes and and this is where that comes in with the parallel universes, these EVPs that we're picking up. That maybe we are in fact picking up our relatives, but they're but they're existing on a parallel universe. Yeah, I mean that's a possibility. Uh, there, there's no again. I don't think there's any mm -hmm. way to know any of that stuff. This sort of the place that I try to focus on is um, way earlier than answering these sorts of questions, which are fascinating yeah. questions. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're not even close to having answers to those things. Right now, I'm just trying to get people to understand that mediumship is a real thing that happens sometimes. You know, sometimes some brains are able to get information in a way we don't understand. Like that's that, like just simply that alone, I'm trying to get people. Because once you can like wedge the door open, Right. Uh, in the mainstream to these ideas, then I think you start to get, you start to overcome that inertia and then more of these um, uh, topics can become part of the discussion. And I think that the UFO thing that's going on right now will actually help us in, in all of these categories, you know, like uh, consciousness, um, because consciousness, again, appears to be a part of this UFO phenomenon a lot of times. Uh, it's inextricably tied to the idea of life after death. Because if consciousness is not stuck inside of a human brain and can have influence outside of the brain, can project things potentially, can potentially manifest physical objects in some way, if we learn that the human brain is somehow involved in creating some of these things, um, you know, then, then the obvious next question could be, well, can this consciousness exist without the brain being alive you know is it truly independent of the brain um and not created by the brain but able to have influence beyond the the, the brain so um yeah I, I i see it as all interlinked and i think mm -hmm. as more of this stuff uh gets discussed um you know all of these topics will be able to finally maybe make some sort of progress on well i agree with you with wanting to work with mediums to, to bring them out, more out in the world because there are people that don't believe it. But then again, there are the charlatans that are out there, you know, yeah. and I'm not going to mention names because some are public TV people, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to mention, but there are yeah. some charlatans out there. But yeah. like you, I have seen in the 15 years I've been doing this, 
I have seen so many incredible things when, when we're out on investigations that yeah. I just cannot, I cannot explain it except to say they're right on the money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these, these crazy things, uh, these things that appear to defy our current understanding of how the universe works, they do happen. There's no way around that as far as I'm concerned. There's just too much evidence. People like you, uh, you know, you know, and I'm sure you probably have stuff that you've captured on camera, maybe on, uh, you know, maybe EVPs. I mean, there, there's just so much um, out there, uh, anecdotal evidence, that uh, to me it's impossible to not have to stop and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe there really is something going on here, you know? Absolutely. And getting back to what happened with your dad, I can honestly say that it's been two years since my mom's been gone. Sorry about that. Yeah. She is still here. Yeah. She's still yeah. around. You know, um, I'll be I'll be watching TV. I can hear her laugh. Mm -hmm. Or she used to, when we went to the movies, she would grab my, because she had nails, you know, so she would grab my hand, but but it would end up in my, my, the, my palm to where you could feel the nails barely touching when she would do it. So I, I'll be watching TV and I can feel her hand. Yeah. You know, it's stuff like that. So I know she's still here. I'll smell her every once in a while, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's my personal belief now, given, and now, we'll, now I'll get into belief. There are some things, sure, again, that the scientific method is good for, and some things it's not good for. Uh, my personal belief, given everything that I've now experienced that I detail in the book, um, to me, the evidence very strongly points in the direction that your mom truly, literally still is with you. Mm -hmm. uh, and that that uh, the, the, this body that we use uh, for a time uh, is, is a vessel of some sort uh, through which our consciousness transmits for a while. Um, you know, I, I, I tend to, a lot of people use this analogy now uh, that the uh, tend to think of the brain as a radio in a sense, um, and that we are the, the, the radio station, right? We're the song that's being played. There are all of these songs in the air right now. If I turn on a radio, I'll be able to hear it. And in, in, in my sense, the brain is the radio that's turned on when the heart stops beating and we're born. And it picks up us, the song, uh, and we play for as long as the heart's beating and the brain is, is working. Uh, and then sometimes that brain gets damaged, right, in life. And then the song isn't so clear anymore. And you start to get some static in there. We know this, right, if there are brain injuries, Alzheimer's disease, things of this nature. Um, uh, but it's my belief then that once the brain dissolves away, when the body dies, uh, that song is is free of the brain again. Mm -hmm. And now it's just back in its normal state. Uh, and, and, and that's that's what I personally now uh, think is uh, the likely explanation for uh, what you experienced with your mom and what I have experienced with my dad. Was your family, like you talked about your sister, was mm. the rest of your family open to what you were saying or, or did you have some people in there going, mm, you're kind of losing it? No, they, they were with me. Yeah, they, they uh, were with me because they got to experience all of that themselves as well, the stuff with the mediumship. Uh, I ended up having experiences with physical mediumship, which is something okay. different than mental mediumship. And at that point, I think they were worried that I might be going off the deep end because this got a little crazy. But then they um, ended up experiencing this kind of thing for themselves as well. Uh, just to quickly go over that. 
physical mediumship is a lesser known form of mediumship, um, though it, it, it was the, the main sort of form of mediumship back again in the day when mediumship was having its heyday and uh, scientists, some renowned scientists were looking into it. So mental mediumship is the one that we know about. That's John Edward and the Long Island medium. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, when the medium is in a conscious state, they're walking through that haunted house with you uh, and they're, they're uh, delivering messages that they're, they're mm -hmm. receiving in some way and they're interpreting what they smell or see or feel. In physical mediumship, the medium goes into a trance, supposedly, uh, and the trance is so deep that typically the medium says they don't even remember anything. It's like they're going to sleep. Uh, they don't know anything that happens during the time that they are in that trance. And the spirit world then is able to take over their body in a sense and use their physical apparatus, including their vocal cords, to communicate directly and in their own words. Um, and then in the most advanced forms of physical mediumship, and this is where uh, science has been able to do some testing, uh, the spirit world is able to use something called ectoplasm, which I was sure was a fake thing created by uh, Ghostbusters and Harold Ramis, but it's not. Apparently it's an actual substance uh, that uh, the spirit world supposedly says that they can withdraw from the medium and then use to make physical things happen in the room that everyone there can see and hear and feel. So there's nothing about it that is interpretive. Uh, it either happens or it doesn't happen. And I had an experience that completely changed my life. I mean, in a second, it completely changed my life. And I tell that story uh, in the book. It's the last chapter. I hesitated to even include it in the book, honestly, because it's it's going to be so far beyond what the average person thinks of as, as possible. I just worried people would get to the end of the book and think I was crazy. But um, ultimately, it is the truth. It is what happened. And because I've had that experience now, it's a very important experience mm -hmm. for me because I now know that no matter how uh, many Nobel Prizes a scientist has sitting on their shelf, uh, if they tell me that there is no such thing as anything paranormal, I now know without a doubt that about that particular thing, they're wrong. doesn't matter how smart they are. And, and most of them, almost all of them are much smarter than I am. But it doesn't matter. On this particular front, they're, they're incorrect. Have you worked, um, other than with yourself, because I, I, I want you to reveal your book. I want people to buy your book. That's the key. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what this is about, too, is to get people out there to buy that book of yours. I want to buy it, too, after this. Boy, I'll tell you. Because this is <laughs> somebody that's had similar experiences. Um, have you, like, because you, you have been, like, doing tests with, with, with mediums. So have you worked with some other physical mediums to, to, to do tests with them? No, I haven't been. A, I haven't done like uh, controlled tests with a physical medium, but okay. uh, I have. I've uh, I've watched something happen with a physical medium uh, multiple times in multiple locations. That um, you just there's no way to uh, explain it away. Uh, it, it happened. It definitely happened, and um, and it happens every every Monday night. Every Monday night in a small room in England, uh, the universe does something that current science says is impossible. Uh, but it's not because it happens. It, ha it absolutely happens. You know, um, 
we have in this show surviving death for instance that i take that i take part in on uh, on netflix that's available mm -hmm. now uh they talk a bit about something called the klusky molds that was a klusky was a physical medium and again the claim was that he went into a trance this ectoplasm came out and then human fully formed beings would materialize in the room dead people would materialize out of this ectoplasm in the room and scientists used wax, right? They brought hot wax into the seance room and had the spirit person, the thing claiming to be a spirit person, dip their, you know, spirit hand into the wax. Often they had them do it like this, okay? Intertwined wow. fingers into the wax, pull it out, the wax dries, and then the spirit person would dissolve their hand, dematerialize their hand, leaving the mold behind. Now, it is impossible to do this without breaking a mold. If you're a human being doing this, you cannot get your hands out because it's too wide at the wrist, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and these molds are shown in the, in the uh, Surviving Death. I recommend watching. I think it's the uh, third episode, maybe. Um, and the, oh, these, these, yeah, these molds are stunning stunning some of them are ch the children's hands you know they're they're so they're small there are feet um so we have these molds taken made by scientists under incredibly tightly controlled conditions incredibly controlled wow. conditions uh, and that alone that the, the, that evidence alone changes the world but it's like swept under the rug and if mm -hmm. you go out on the street and you say to somebody hey how about the klusky molds what about those People will be most first people are going to 99.9% .9 of the people are going to say the what the Klusky who like they, no one's ever heard of these things. And yet they totally, in my opinion, change the world. That is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I, look, mean, I, I look on that like I look at um, uh, the whole water thing. You know, when you stir the, the pot of water mm -hmm. and you're working with you're working with the psychic. Have you done that yet? No. Oh. Oh no, you go in. Okay, I'll tell you. You get a flashlight. Yeah. yeah. You get a black pot of water. Get get your medium and stir the pot of water and have the medium ask questions. Uh-huh. And faces will appear. Oh. It's okay. a, interesting. We've got, a, we've got some really interesting faces. Some interesting. of them, you know, will be connected to the investigation you're doing, some won't. They'll be connected to a location. You should try that. I will. I will. That sounds interesting. It's like you, scrying with a mirror, but it's with water. It's called you, ITC. Yeah, yeah. I've heard of ITC. Have yeah. you? Um, yeah, I've heard of people doing that with like smoke sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you have photographs of what you've captured? I do. Oh, neat. I do. Are they posted I anywhere? Can I? Oh, yeah. I'll, 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 oh, great. Yeah. I'll, 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 I'll send some to you. Great. Yeah, it's it's very interesting to do because sometimes you can get some really really clear photographs of of, of whatever's in the house or. You know, or something connected to the house, you know, through, through history or whatever. It's just yeah. really, really interesting. That is. But interesting. I want, I want to see the thing with the wax mold, with the wax, because that that's absolutely fascinating. It's truly fascinating, truly, and they're held under lock and key at, in a museum in uh, France, maybe. Um, I forget exactly where they are, but yeah, I mean, they are stunning evidence of paranormality. If nothing else, they're evidence of paranormality. You know, I mean, like clear evidence. Yeah, it's they're really. I, I have a feeling you're going to be fascinated by by that. Yeah, I mean, I've worked with mediums that have you know take a picture in front of me. There's something in front of me. There's something mm -hmm. in front of me, and then we'll pick up like splotches right, you know, right in front right. of their faces when they're telling right. you 
put it in the camera, but nothing like that. that yeah, and that's crazy. that stuff is interesting and very neat, you know. But you know, you know, I'm sure you know about paradelia, the way that right, the right, brain right, right. makes patterns yeah. out of things, and so it yeah. can be hard sometimes yeah. to discern between something actually there and and something our brain is doing, because the brain is a remarkable instrument right. that picking patterns that might not be there. Uh, but yeah, something like this, you have a human head, like you could see the dermal, you could see the, epi you know, the, uh, the, the fingerprints. I mean, you, there's no faking that. Uh, yeah, these things are really hard, solid, concrete evidence that something that was not in that room dipped its hands into that wax. Wow. Yeah. That's absolutely incredible. So, um, this is, I can't wait to order your book. You know, you're all excited. And I know people listening are going to be all excited over all this because, wow. Yeah. Well, I, the, 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 the whole reason that I, that I wrote the book is that I hope that it can bring some comfort to people. Um, because when all of this started to happen to me, uh, like I said, we were in this deep, dark pit of despair when my dad mm -hmm. died. And then I started to have these experiences and it was like someone threw a ladder down into that hole I was in and pulled me out. And, and now, and they were so extraordinary, the things that ended up happening, that it really felt like unfair to keep them to ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, this is information that should be available if people want it. So it's out there if people want it. Um, and to me, the evidence, again, very strongly points in the direction that our loved ones do not simply disappear when they die. So I, I, that's, my, that's my hope, that it might, uh, if there are skeptics out there especially, I feel like the book... Um, you know, I try to present it in a way that's pretty clear, uh, that even some skeptics might say, Hmm, okay, maybe, maybe there is something to this. Uh, so that, that's the hope. So you did this documentary with the mediums. Has mm -hmm. that been released out yet or are you still working on it? No, during, during the filming of that, the Netflix project came along and uh, one of the women, uh, Leslie Kane, the woman, the, again, again the, the same woman who wrote the, uh, the New York Times story about the Pentagon UFO program, she wrote a book called Surviving Death. She spent 10 years okay. investigating all of this stuff and that's what the series is based on. She was in my documentary. She's in my documentary. And uh, during the time that we were filming, Netflix decided to make this six-part series and she told... Uh, Netflix about my story, so that's how I got involved in the Netflix series. Uh, but now that now that that's out, um, uh, yeah, we uh, we might pick up again at some point once the world is a little bit more back to normal. Uh, we might pick that documentary up again. Now, are you finding like you talk about scientists? That, you know, there are some scientists, in fact, look, you know, looking into this stuff. Do you think the the scientific world is more open minded to this stuff, or are they still kind of okay? If it happens to me, fine. If it doesn't, I'm gonna you know not believe what you're saying. I think that they are slowly, maybe becoming more open minded. Slowly, I think that you know there was a study done. I forget where a survey done of scientists. Um, mm -hmm. And, and 50% of the scientists, Dr. Bruce Grayson, I think writes about this maybe in his book after his new book, 50% um, of the scientists uh, said that they believed in life after death, like off the record, they believe in life after death. So 50%, that's a pretty good amount. Getting a scientist, a mainstream scientist on the record talking about that, you know, that's still pretty hard to do. Um, un unfortunately, uh, you know, especially with like me mediumship was debunked thoroughly by Harry Houdini, right? Which a lot of people know about. As you said before, unfortunately, there have been many frauds out there in the past and now uh, who claim to be doing mediumship who are not. And they've they've given a 
they've sullied the name of the whole uh, thing, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, Houdini did such a thorough job debunking mediumship that it, it you know, it made the word like paranormal, almost like a dirty word, right? It, it, mm -hmm. it, it almost denotes uh, something that's not serious, right? If someone is a paranormal investigator, a mainstream mm -hmm. scientist looks at that word paranormal and they think it's like, you know, it's woo-woo, it's pseudoscience, right. it's not real science. Um, and that stigma remains uh, for sure. I, I mean, you know, as I said, I, I think I said, I talked to Dr. Tucker at the University of Virginia about children who have memories from previous lives. Mm -hmm. And the evidence there is so stunning uh, that it should be being taught in the mainstream. And I asked him why it's not. Uh, and and um, it's because, in large part, I think, because of that stigma. He, he, he said that most scientists don't even look at the data. They simply don't even know it's there. They conclude a priori that it's impossible. So they, they assume there must be something wrong with the methodology of how they've collected the data. You know, they just make these assumptions. T uh, chances are, uh, the, the debunkers we know out there, there are some famous ones, you know, uh, 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 Sh uh, Shermer, Michael Shermer, the editor mm -hmm. of Skeptic Magazine, for instance, uh, the amazing Randy who, who passed away not long ago, uh, Penn and Teller. Um, a lot of these people who debunk these things, th they don't actually investigate them all the time. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll tell you something is uh, not real without actually looking at the data. Um, and Houdini himself did this during his debunking. Uh, there was a woman named Marjorie Crandon, right? This fantastic physical medium who Scientific American, the magazine, was running a contest, giving out, mm -hmm. I think, $3,000 for anyone who could prove uh, that something paranormal was happening at a seance. This woman had the scientific panel completely convinced she was doing something uh, uh, genuine after a few hundred sittings, by the way, not one or two or three, a few hundred sittings they had with this woman. And they concluded you under the tightest controls that something was happening they could not explain. Harry Houdini couldn't stand that thought that he could not figure out what she was doing. So he ended up doing a stage show, very popular, where he debunked this woman by showing the ways she could have done some of the things that happened in that sand room. The things he could not explain, he simply left out. He just didn't even mention them, which is not intellectually honest, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's a dishonest thing to do, to debunk someone by, and he destroyed this woman's life, by the way. He destroyed, I mean, he really uh, did a number on this woman. And again, he did such a good job at this debunking that, that the repercussions from that um, resounded uh, way down the line and we're still dealing with them. And it's why it's still difficult, I think, to uh, have this subject taken seriously at a high, at least academic level. I was just going to say, um, do you think that the issue is that it's one thing to go in because a lot of the stuff with ghost hunting, you know, one, one of the things we talk about is it's fine to be a scientist, but you need to go in with an open mind. Yeah. You know, this stuff. Do you think a lot of these scientists that are looking into this are, out, are trying to act like they've got that open mind, but they really don't. So that that's why they're, they go in whole hog to debunk it all. Most of them are not even looking into it. They, they really don't. Uh, the ones that do look into it, I asked Dr. Tucker this. I said, you know, what about the scientists who do come to the University of Virginia and look at all of this, this mountain of incredible data that you have? What happens then? And he's mm -hmm. at that point, if they really look at it, there's no way to not look at that evidence and give it 
an honest look and to come away with any other thought than it seems like something is happening here. It's impossible to not look at it and not think that. That's how strong the evidence is. Um, so, yeah, I think that most scientists just simply are not looking at it, at least not publicly. They're not talking about, you know, same thing with UFOs. There are scientists out there, good ones, brilliant ones, who have been investigating this stuff for many years. Uh, Jacques Vallée famously called it the invisible college. And the reason they were invisible is because they couldn't take the chance uh, and sully their names by having their name associated with something as silly as UFOs, you know? So there are scientists uh, that look into it. Some, again, like Dr. Julie Beichel, who are brave enough to publicly look into this stuff. But it's still an uphill battle at the moment for um, a lot of scientists. What, what do you hope happens? Like, like, like if, you, if you could finish this documentary, what do you hope to accomplish by it? I really just want to open people's minds enough uh, so that they see the evidence suggesting that we have a lot left to learn. That, that's really all that I am aiming to do. Because for me, um, I, I guess there are two, two schools of thought possibly on this. You know, there are some people who are happy in their ignorance, right? The ignorance of uh, the bliss of ignorance, you know, mm -hmm. uh, they don't want, they feel like they have enough figured out. Let's say that they're a religious person, for instance, and, the, and they go to church once in a while and they know the basic rules of the Bible. Uh, they know if they try not to hurt people uh, and they live a basically good life, they're going to go to heaven and that'll be great. And that's all they want to know. And I totally, I get that. I, I get, I get that. Uh, for other people, opening up their um, perspective and letting them know that this stuff is out there and really happens and that the universe is not what they learned about in their high school physics class. For other people, that's kind of a liberating thing and an, and an exciting thing. Uh, and for me, it is. It's an exciting thing to think, uh, oh my gosh, there are still discoveries to be made. I, I can still be Magellan. You know, when I was a kid, mm -hmm. I used to want to be an explorer. I used to go out in my backyard and my, we lived sort of in the woods. My cousin and I would go down this trail pretending we were the first person to ever see this. So we mapped it all out on a map. You know, we named different things that we saw. Um, and I was kind of sad to discover, oh man, the whole world's already been explored. There's, there's nothing left to discover. My gosh, was I wrong about that? There is so much left to discover, uh, especially when we, it comes to consciousness and what, what all of this uh, is. So uh, for me, it, it, yeah, I, I just want to open up people's um, uh, sense of what's possible and, and, and to the um, extraordinary uh, things that happen that uh, are, you know, magical in a sense because that, that's how far beyond uh they are from our understanding is that they seem like magic uh and that's that can be pretty exciting and now that you know that your dad is is still there yeah out there how does that make you feel amazing you know obviously it's amazing to to feel you know, I, I write about uh, at the beginning of the book, I mentioned the show The Good Place on Netflix, which is about 
uh, people in the afterlife. It's a great show. Highly recommend. And there's this great scene where the lead character is talking to uh, this being, this eternal being. And she's trying to explain to him what it's like to be a human. And he's not grasping it because he's eternal and he knows he's eternal. He knows that. And she says to him, well, you know, when you're a human, we all know that we are going to die. Mm -hmm. And so we're all a little bit sad all the time. And that I get that, right? Death is this thing that's always kind of in the background. We try to push it away as much as we can, most of us, but we know we're going to die, right? It's always in the background somewhere. Having the um, experiences that I've now had, mm -hmm. I, it, you, you don't, when you're not so worried about how the journey might end, the journey itself becomes the thing you can focus on. Right. Mm -hmm. You can just start to enjoy the ride if you're not so worried about where it's headed. And um, that is an enormous gift. That's an enormous gift. My dad has has lightened our our entire lives uh, by by doing what he's done uh, and going to what I see as the lengths he's now he's gone to. Mm -hmm. Uh, to make this so clear to me that he truly is still, still with us, um, and that and that we all are are uh, uh, you know going to survive this thing, <laughs> this this life thing. Uh, I mean, that's pretty neat to be aware of. You know what? Thank you so much. This was so. This was great. It's everything I thought it was going to be. Oh, I'm so you glad know, I asked you to be on, and um, I'd like to get you on at, at some other point. Anytime. With you because this is this Anytime. Was fun. Tell everybody where they can get your books. You've got two books, right? I do, yeah. I wrote a book called Life at Hamilton, which is about my experiences bartending at Hamilton on Broadway. Uh, they're both at um, Amazon.com and the website MikeAnthony.com. And on the website, I also have a few clips, video clips of the documentary that I've been working on. So if people want to see the experimental setup we were using uh, with the medium, some of that, there are some clips that show a bit about that. Cool, cool, cool. And that Netflix series, so people can check it out. Surviving Death. Surviving Death on Netflix. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, Mike. Thanks and for again, having me. I'll, I'll send you some photos of the ITCs that, that, that we've gotten. Please do. I'd, I'd really like I'd It really might love be something you might be interested in for your test, you know? Yeah, um, I'd love to take a look. But again, um, I'll, I'll be in touch. Maybe we'll get you back on next month or so or something like that and have, have another chat if you're open Any, to it. Anytime. Yeah, okay, I, I had a great time. Thanks for having me. All right, Mike. Thank you. Bye-bye. Have a good one. Alrighty, that, that was some fun. I learned a lot and, you know, talking about my experiences with my mother was helpful because, uh, you know, sometimes you, you think you're the only one that experiences that stuff until you start talking to people. Anyway, we've got a great guest set up for Wednesday. Uh, in fact, two guests, uh, Tanya and Joey Madea. Uh, again, I, I heard them interview on, on the show and they were fascinating in that they know a little bit about a little bit about everything, but their main thing was they both were lived in a haunted house for years and years and years, and and they, they have a lot of interesting stories to tell about it. You know, shadow people and, and different experiences that you know a little bit of everything, uh, poltergeist activity going on and all that. So it'll be interesting to talk with them. In the meantime, thank you guys for coming. As you can see at the bottom, I have a PayPal me PayPal.me at California Haunts. Um, this show is run on fumes, as they say, and it's all run out of pocket. Uh, the internet costs, you know, the uh, streamyard costs, the camera costs, and all that. And every little bit helps. So if you can find it in your in, in your kind kind heart to donate a little bit to us, we really appreciate it. And share it, please share it with four or five of your friends or, or relatives or whatever. 
If you liked it, if you didn't like it, share it anyway. Send it to your enemies. Because we're trying to get out there as, as much as we can, you know, and um, all that good stuff. Also, if you want to pick us up and you don't want to have to look at my face to listen to this, uh, you can pick us up starting tomorrow on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify at California Haunts Radio. So I thank you guys for coming on and visiting with us. And we, I will see you. Try to switch things over there. Wrong button. And I will see you guys on Wednesday, same time, okay? Bye.